Greetings, friends. It's Chapo. We're back again. Me, Matt, and Felix coming to you as usual. And uh, let's see how to how to kick off this week's show. I think we should kick it off by waving bon voyage to the giant container ship known only as the Ever Given. It's ever gone, folks. It's just we all had a fun week uh, with that that big boy just getting wedged into the Suez Canal. But thanks to the the lunar cycles and a particularly strong supermoon. The tides have pushed it out to sea, and let's also thank those wonderful tugboat workers, uh, those the great team in the Suez. Um, the, both, both teams played hard, but in the end, um, the tides just wanted it more. So let's wave goodbye to the Ever Given and uh, ponder a week's worth of memes. You know, this was um, the first big meme event of 2021. What, what did you guys make of it? Why do you think people responded um, so so powerfully to the image of this giant ship um, wedged into a canal and holding up probably 15% of all global commerce. For part of, part of it's got to just be like whom amongst us, right? I mean, come on. Who hasn't been wedged into a place and causing backups and, and, dis- and embarrassment and billions of dollars to global trade? Who hasn't had that experience? I think, it's be- I think it got big because of a general drought and things. Like I... Uh... This lasted way longer than most of these things do. Like, everything is starting to last a little while longer, if you've noticed. Like, White Boy Summer, that was like a multi-day thing when previously it would have been a one- or two-day thing. Um, It's, I mean, I think there's a drought post-Trump. Yeah, people are trying to fill their Trump hole. Yeah, I was, I, I, I like to go through, like, sort of, like, lived viral Twitter now, and it's like, metrics are down. David Frum will get, like, 50 likes on some shit. That's why you got to have things like uh, Bill Crystal going, yeah, we should make Cuba a state. Yeah. He's trying to rile up the monkeys. Yeah. It, it's like everyone's everyone's numbers are down. Metrics are down across the board. The only people that are thriving are those like catfish spam bots that post things like, um, you know, sometimes sometimes a drink in a jar is just a vibe. And it gets 700,000 retweets that someone in Moldova paid for so they can plug lights that give you cancer. That's the only thing that's still up. Um, And then, of course, like sort of tired culture war things that are like if a white guy reads Goodnight Moon, kill him. (laughs) It's going to rape you. Uh, It's I mean, I didn't think it totally sucked or anything like it's a funny event, but it just like markedly different in tone and people are searching for something. And uh, it felt like a sort of like 2012 Twitter thing a little bit. I don't know if you felt like that. I think it was a little bit of a a little bit of a throwback in a number of ways, and I, I think people were sort of charmed by it because both of the um, the sheer size of this container ship, and and just a sort of reminder that you know everyone likes to think about like sort of the the global economy and the the marketplace and capitalism and technology as this kind of invisible thing. It's just sort of humming along on computers. But that's not really the case. I mean, this was just like wind shut this shit down because it just wedged this gigantic fucking ship into this very narrow shipping lane. And it stuck like, I mean, it it ground all global commerce to like a halt virtually. I mean, ships are going around the Cape of Good Hope for like the first time since the fucking they built the fucking Vasco da Gama hours. Look who came crawling back. (laughs) Yeah. Decreccio has been sailing there for <laughs> centuries and he's like he's like this has been like this has been the best place to go since like the 1800s what the fuck everyone's getting in my way now I've, Sunday drivers I think it's like it's sort of a reminder about like this sort of how low tech 
some of, some of what I mean, I understand the Suez is like an amazing piece of like engineering and just like the size of these ships in general or, you know, no small feat. But it is this it's this very physical, uh, the, uh, the physical economy is uh, Lyndon LaRouche would say. But yeah, I mean, it's just this, this sort of charming thing. I mean, I think people felt the Yeah, I, I agree with what you said, Matt. I think I think people looked at the ship and they were like, that's me. I mean, who hasn't just gotten stuck somewhere and fucked everything? Up? Yeah. Well, I thought I thought the porn that people drew of it was interesting because it was like always an embarrassed girl with a big ass. Never like never like a sort of like anime girlish boy with a big cock and the cock's getting stuck in the canal. It's an embarrassed woman with a huge ass. And I feel like that's how a lot of young people feel. Yeah, we're all just embarrassed anime ladies crying uh, in the in the transom. Yeah, I was laughing though, thinking about um, like everyone was like uh, getting off their jokes about it, and I was just laughing, imagining a guy who has like stuff on that ship who's getting insanely pissed because people are making fun of like, and he's just like, I have cocaine on that boat, okay, I need it. <laughs> well, that's the thing yeah. is that it's one of the rare news events that's that's actually a significant event. You know, it it, it put a kink in global uh, trade flows. Uh, it costs billions and billions of dollars and all that, but it's also it, it's nobody's getting hurt yeah yeah and, that, and yeah. how how often does that happen when you got something of consequence occurring that isn't directly causing misery to untold people and yes you know ripples in the economy but it's it's just a boat stuck in a canal there's nobody getting like pulled apart by vultures or something like i mean 90 percent of news events in the world are didn't didn't the, yeah it's not it's not a mass shooting <laughs> didn't mm-hmm. the captain of the boat try to do one of like draw one of those gps dicks with the container that's ship? what it looked like yeah which makes me wonder what was going on there i might <laughs> okay, like, like a little more information so so the, probably so, get bored at sea <laughs> so the well i mean you know whatever happens at sea you know i mean sometimes you're drawing a giant dick with your giant container ship and sometimes you're uh you're sucking one but um do you think the captain of this ship is going to be in trouble you know when he like gets back to i hope the not dock or whatever yeah oh, come on what are you gonna come on man it, it'd be funny if he was like drunk but even then it's like who whom amongst us he didn't he didn't know it's actually safer to drive a boat drunk i think that's the true thing, the thing that gets you killed on the sea is hesitation and right. when you're drunk, uh, when your inhibitions are limited, you're a more primal driver. And, you know, just it would seem to be we all need to, um, you know, tip our caps to uh, the tides and to apparently a particularly good supermoon was um, sort of um, uh, instrumental in, uh, in, in putting this boat out to, out to sea again. And I just got to say, I don't know if we should be thanking or attacking the witches for this. I mean, did they do this or did they did they trap the ship or did they free it? What have they done to the Yeah, that's a classic lately? move. They 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 trap the ship in order to then get the uh get the contract to move it. It's it's, yeah, it's, it's a, insider dealing. It's a witch Reichshog fire. Mhm. So, and to to Felix's point though about how this has lasted longer than usual, a article, an opinion piece in the Guardian just came out right now that is the kind of thing that would have happened that seems to happen like within an hour of most events becoming memes. And that is the insane, the insanely tedious woke fake woke backlash to get people annoyed, the clickbait uh, trolling uh, and uh, concern trolling. And here it is in the guardian, the Suez boat saga enthralled the world, but not those with navophobia. (laughs) What? Stuck container ship triggered people with fears of ships and sea wreckage and megalophobia, the fear of large objects. That's a no, that's a throw. That's a throwback. Like most woke articles now are about streaming shows and most hate clicks are like that's very like Guardian, like 2015 or so. Yeah. 
Um, I don't know. Maybe I and you know today I saw that trailer for that Guy Ritchie movie. Maybe we really are rewinding a few years. Yeah, I mean, do you, th- do you think it like, really this is- feels like it, man? It really feels like it. This is a this is a Harambe style event. I mean, if we if we've reached the if you take it seriously that we've reached the end and that there can be no development from now, then we have to just sort of do like the reverse Big Bang and just go backward through culture. No, we're literally doing that and. Honestly, like, yeah, fine. Man, I'll yeah, whatever. It. Yeah, it's not like with it. It's not like there were any like there were too many like great movies or shows or anything during the Trump years. I will. I think it would go forward a little if they let Joe talk more. Oh man, we'll talk about it later. But I, I think Biden's staying true to his promise of rewinding the horrible grind of history to another period that sucked. <laughs> yeah, that's our option. It's like. You basically you don't get things to not suck. You get to pick which sort of variety of cultural sucking you get to enjoy. Let's go back to 2011. Let's all put on our maroon jeans and a vest and the and stunner shades and like think we're the first person that heard MGMT, the sound of the summer. Let's go back. Was that, there back then? I actually liked when Marvel movies came out. I thought they were good. Was there any part of you guys that was just sort of kind of hoping that the ship would be stuck there forever or that they would have to blow it up or something I, no. the, the idea of them blowing it up was cool i would have liked that i i don't know i um i have uh certain things on that ship uh as you know i'm in business with several families of new yorker writers and i cannot discuss this further who or what i have on the ship but i need it well, yeah, no, I mean, my joke was that I had um, a shipment of Goku, stat- rare Goku statues filled with cocaine. And, you know, like, I see your jokes and they're not funny to me. Yeah. Goku statues really work in keeping robbers out of your house. Um, they're like, oh, uh, that's like that's like a hobo symbol. They're like, oh, Goku lives there. <laughs> <laughs> he can't rob that house. He's going to make his hair blonde again and beat the shit out of you. Well, uh, like I said, yeah, this is, it seemed like it was like a like like a, a micro Harambe moment with that with that ever given ship being stuck in there. But um, you said you said that maybe we could accelerate this process of going back in time if they just let Joe Biden talk more. Well, they did let him talk last week. He gave his first the first press conference of his presidency, and uh, I I didn't watch all I didn't watch all of it. Um, there was some. Of what I did see, it was like it did not disappoint. But but more than anything, I was impressed with how it was like immediately after it was over. I saw from at least three or four pretty big name journalists um, uh, reiterating the point that Joe Biden just absolutely put to bed every right wing talking point about his mental fitness for office. <laughs> it's like, you know, he answered questions brilliantly Facts. and off the top of his head for like, you know, so this, and I was like, well, first of all, the press conference was before 6 p.m. Um, so, you know, he's being graded on a curve as far as I'm concerned. And like he sundown like three, three or four times during this, this, this Q and a here. So I, I mean, it's just like, is there anything he could have done short of pissing himself that wouldn't have produced that reaction by the press? No, they no, were going to do it no matter what. No. Yeah. I, I think we have another few months of this of the press, like very openly being in the tank for him. Like all the, all the questions that the, uh, press pulls at the press conferences are like, Except for the ones from Fox that are like, you know, whatever. It's like, what's it like for Joe to be such a good person? (laughs) The New York Times questions have been fucking insane. 
anytime that someone asks like even a remotely negative question or something or you know it's something they just get torn apart by the by the biden maniacs who like really didn't exist before they've really no. popped up Fairweather fans, I think. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, Kamala people. I mean, these are the these, but, are these are the same people that, like, when when Trump and his ghouls are giving press conferences, they were like, "This is the most unique threat to American democracy ever." The way he treats the press, like they're the enemy, is like uh, is you know unique in American history, and like this is like a huge warning sign about our slide into despotism or fascism or whatever and now it's like if anyone asks jen Psaki like anything that's like mildly contradicts the official you know uh white house line uh there's just a fucking wave of people like screaming at these they're not a real journalist this is fake news i mean they're just doing the exact same thing i mean it's not it's not necessarily novel or particularly interesting but it, it is funny to look it is funny to watch so why don't, we, why don't we see a couple of these choice Biden clips from the, uh, the press conference? Why don't we cue those up? I have never been particularly poor at calculating how to get things done in the United States Senate. So the best way to get something done, if, you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to... Anyway. <laughs> I'm... I know it was an hour long <laughs> press conference and that was just like very short, but the number of people, journalists I saw saying, well, Biden definitely displayed this. Uh, he eliminated and dismissed any question that he's not up to uh, snuff and and totally on point and completely uh, lucid. Like, I'm sorry, but in any other era. A president just fritzing out like that in national television would have been a big deal. It's, I mean, my God, Daniel, Dan Quayle misspelled potato, and it was one of three events that happened in that year. <laughs> you know, no, that was a joke for like 10 years, Matt. That was Jay Leno yeah. was eating out on that like well into the Clinton administration. But this guy, Jay this Leno guy, made his brain just like what his brain just turned off in the middle. Like he had to do, he had to blow in the cartridge. In the middle of a fucking speech, that's fucked up. That's my favorite thing that Biden does is when he's talking and he's like, just completely gives up. When he gives up, it's just like yeah, he realizes, you know what? Yeah. I'm too old for this shit. I'm literally too old for this shit. It doesn't really matter. I'm president. You're gonna do. You're gonna ignore it anyway. I know that. Uh, so whatever. It's too much work to fucking try to pull this out of my ass, especially since he has to know it's all garbage. Like that's the thing. One of the real question, myths, questions I've always had about politicians is how the hell do you just keep saying this shit over and over again that you know is pointless, that you know is totally contentless? And it's ambition, you know? But I think at a certain point, you get so old, he literally, even though he wants to be president, it's the only thing he's ever wanted. And it's just, he can't muster the energy to continue saying the thing. The, the, for me, the perfect of that was the one where he goes, he's trying to say something about like, Bill of Rights, life, liberty. And then he just goes, you know, the thing. Yeah. <laughs> that was so perfectly evocative. Like, you people know what it is. You all know the bullshit that we say. I just have to stand here and say it. So I'm tired. And just take take it just take it from there. Yeah. I uh I always thought about the most disconcerting version of that would be do you remember those interviews he was doing on Good Morning America, like after he secured the nomination, where he would go like Trump is a he's a He's a few uh, chopsticks short of it. Oh, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I shouldn't like just like it was like if anyone else did it, I'd be like, this is a guy who's going to kill himself. <laughs> like, that's so depressing. But yeah, no, people do know the thing. 
They know we People, know the thing. Yeah, we know. He just has to stand there. He has to just be the guy. He has to be the guy that the old primary voters could see on their TV and be like, "All oh, right, Obama guy. Yeah, sure, him. That's all he needs to do." And and it's just like this sort of. I don't. I mean, it's probably the thing is it's probably not even coordinated. But what I mean is like the 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 ready made press reaction to just be like. That was a masterful performance by Joe Biden. I mean, do you remember like during the debates, like nobody ever really said like, "God damn, Biden sucked in those debates." They no, just sort of, they just sort of didn't mention it. But they were yeah, like, I oh. mean, the lying too. Like, not only yeah. was he barely lucid, he just lied flatly, and they're just like, "Yeah, who cares?" They just said that. It just like, seems none that, of this matters. It seems it's a case of like protesting too much, and like mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm half kidding here, but like I would not be surprised in the next couple of months is like. Uh, the next thing that can get you kicked off social media is uh, talking about Joe Biden's like mental capacities or 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 well, implying or implying it's, 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 it's not up to snuff to be like the president of the United States. Yeah, that's ableism well, to say that the president should know what time of day it is. Well, that that is the scarier thing, right? It's sort of like two levels of fright. If you're on one level and you're like a rational person who's like not too deep into the shit, you're like, well, that's like disconcerting that he just gives up in the middle but the real thing that scares people that no one will talk about is like, oh, that shows that like it kind of doesn't really matter yeah. who specifically is president, that it's just on autopilot and it's like it's run by other people. And that 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 uh, opens up a frightening question as to what the American presidency is It's just on autopilot, how little our input matters. Yeah. Yeah, that is something nobody really wants to confront. So we're all going to just agree that Grandpa's doing fine. Yeah, because it's like, no, yeah, he's done a bunch of shit that I hate. He's done some things that are like, okay. But it's like, I don't think you could say it's like it's like the country stopped working. Yeah. All right, can we see another one of those clips? We got another yeah. one here. And so I'm convinced that we'll be able to stop this because it is the most pernicious thing. This makes Jim Crow... Look like Jim Eagle. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good line. Oh, that's talking man. about that's, that's not a bad thing. line. That that was a two hour at best uh, a moment. The Jim Eagle thing. That's another yeah. one where uh, even a few years ago, how do you not make Jim Eagle like every other Halloween costume? And now it's going to be forgotten by the time we're talking about it. Yeah, and there will be like that's like there if like you even like Google like what the fuck is Jim Eagle? You'll get like fifty pop ups from Washington Post and Snopes that are like Jim Eagle was actually the most popular cartoon in the world until last year. Is, Everyone, it's not a thing he made up; it's a real thing. Is, is it, You're actually, if you didn't watch Jim Eagle <laughs> and don't get this, you are probably racist. But I mean, in in that sort of construction. Like Jim Eagle is good, like right, like it'd be like this is so bad it'll make Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle, and like Jim Crow is the bad one, but Jim Eagle is good because it's an eagle. Is is I mean, am I parsing this correctly? No, no he, yeah, yeah, he's saying an eagle is better than a crow. And so well, I mean, I don't know about that. The I mean, original Jim Crow is therefore as much better than this current push to uh, reduce voting rights in Georgia as an eagle is from a crow. Well, I mean, I I have very I, I have very troubling feelings about that. I mean, come on, I mean, corvids, uh, easily the smartest bird species. Yeah, they're uh, smartest. There is. They're cooperative. They I mean, make there's friends a, with humans. And there's give a, them presents. There's a fair amount of in Dark Souls too. There's a fair amount of uh, research that suggests that uh, crows and like corvids in general 
have something approaching self-awareness. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's Jim Crow and a lot of negative uh, assumptions there, but don't just throw in, don't just throw in an eagle. You know, just to just say like, oh, an eagle is automatically better than a crow. Just yeah, because it's, it's the American fucking bird, USA, USA. You know what? Yeah, the non-cooperative bird. As far as eagles go, the bald eagle is among the more paltry species. It's actually quite you shut sm- the fuck up. It's quite you small. Shut the fuck up it's about quite our small eagle. compared to the, for instance, no! the, the golden eagle. You know, it's the strong and best one. It's bald for some reason. That's cool. The balding eagle. All right, is there? I'm looking up the golden eagle right now. Just checking on the size of this bird. That's all right. It's a pretty big bird. <laughs> it's, a, it's an excellent bird. He's got the ability to 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 really hit you in the ear with like a, a really good, just rich moment, like Trump in that way, like that near yeah. and dear thing. If he holds near and dear to you, that you, uh... it just gets stuck in your head. Near and dear to you, it's like oh, it's good. It could be a ringtone. His rhythms of speech and his like sort of crutch phrases are really they're very infectious. Like I um the no offense to like insert subgroup here. Uh, like the like when he was talking about rice pudding. No offense to the Greeks. No yeah. offense to the Greeks. He does that a lot, and no one cues in on it. I guess because cueing in on it would be like, oh, that's what he's saying because he's like trying to remember who he is. Yeah, he's buying himself time. Yeah, I couldn't find a clip of it, but there was there was another section during this Q and A where he um he said that the main pe- the main reason people flee Central America to like seek asylum in America is because of earthquakes. I'm dealing with. Focusing on the fundamental reasons why people leave Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador in the first place. It's because of earthquakes, floods. And he suggested spending like State Department money to build better streetlights in El Salvador. What I was able to do is not give money to the head of state because so many are corrupt. But I was able to say, okay, you need lighting in the streets to change things. I'll put the lighting in. We got a contractor. We got the type of lighting. We paid directly to the contractor. Did not go through the government. I couldn't. I mean, again, I can't even begin to parse that. I mean, yes, like earthquakes have occurred in Central America, but I, I don't know if that's the primary reason that people are fleeing. <laughs> well, I mean, do you remember in the 1980s when the U.S. Uh, used drug money to arm a bunch of earthquakes and uh, <laughs> genocide well, yeah, the indigenous yeah. people? Yeah, no, the CIA gave them earthquake uh, machine technology. They gave them earthquake yeah. weapons, and you know, hence, hence the, that's why there's a refugee problem. Did you, uh, did you see him saying um, when he, they were talking about COVID or COVID origin ideas? And he was like, "I have my own theories, but I'm not a scientist." I <laughs> like, I need, I need to know what those are. I need, like, oh man. There was a there was a pangolin malt shop where they were making pangolin malts. Or imagine if he just like he was just like ah no, no one wants to hear my theory, Jack. I think it came from Fort Detrick, Maryland, the U.S. Army bioweapons facility. And they're like, no, Joe, no, stop. <laughs> yeah, stop. No, he if we find out like nine eleven was an inside job, it will be because him like forgetting that he's not supposed to yeah. say that. Yeah, like it's we may learn so many secrets that they just interview him more. I mean, unfortunately, like I said, I, I, I fear that these press conferences may be uh, maybe few and far between. But um, I, I don't know, like, I guess, like, I mean, you know, like it's 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 uh, the, the Biden administration, like, you know, they've got a, they've got a lot of irons in the fire. And I just I I have noticed this this consensus beginning to gel among the sort of like left liberal media to a certain degree of people who are sort of touting the um uh, aggr- the sort of aggressive actions on behalf of the Biden administration to 
um, inject money into the economy, uh, stimulus and relief bills and things like that. And there's this thing about like, you know, he may not be a radical, but he's shaping up to be the most radical president since FDR or LBJ. And I'm just wondering, like, it just like I said, you can point and like certainly as compared to Obama, I think you can make some favorable comparisons for, for like the first three months of the Biden administration versus the first three months of Obama's. But there's something like I said, sort of prepackaged about this FDR LBJ thing that just seems to me like this is what they'd be telling you regardless of what he's been. What, yeah, what he's absolutely. Doing. Like, yeah. And it's just. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, it seems phony to me. It seems totally phony to me. Well, I honestly think that they are less interested in convincing people that that's true than they are trying to convince themselves and each other. Yeah, that I think true. that's what's going. I mean, I think this is, this is a. I think it's like a, a prepackaged argument for like the kind of public intellectual class to give them yeah. something to hold on to, and and you know, and I think really give them something to justify their behavior in the you know election and primaries. Yes, and, you know, like and and you know, ensuring yes, like that he was is, the be- he was the actual progressive choice. I I was right to do that. I was right to jettison all of my alleged beliefs to support the. Uh, sexual predator racist neoliberal gorgon because oh looks that he was actually faking that whole time just so he could be president and you know as far as like a a domestic agenda goes i mean i i think you can make a a credible argument that he's you know flexed his muscles a little bit more than obama has i mean if anything that just makes obama look all the more just absolutely shameful but the thing is like i i mean i know it sucks because as we've talked about before basically nobody cares about foreign policy but (laughs) As, when the where the U.S. border ends, he's been pretty much the same as everyone else before or since him. I mean, like yeah. everyone who came before him, like some truly bad shit from the Biden administration vis-a-vis. I mean, like they want to restart the Iran deal. Like just pay close attention to what Tony Blinken has been talking about lately. It's like they want to get back in the Iran deal, but they're not willing to allow Iran to have any concessions to get them to come back to the negotiating table, which is just like, no, like we're the ones who should be giving concessions to them because our stupid country like fucked up the the deal that they signed to and adhered to. We reneged on a deal. We reneged on a deal. And and, and then killed their national hero. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like the most like, like if, if like, if if, like they had killed the equivalent of if they had killed uh, the greatest American Tom Brady. (laughs) Yeah. And, so that, that's the Iran deal, but also like I just, just want to talk briefly about um, what what Tony Blinken said recently about um, the uh, arrest of the coup, um, the 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 coup government in Bolivia by um, Mas and Ar- Luis Arce, the democratically elected government in Brazil and Bolivia rather. Um, it says U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said in a statement, "There are questions about the legality of the arrests and urged Bolivia to release the detain- detainees pending an independent and transparent inquiry into the human rights and due process concerns." Okay, independent and transparent inquiry. There's already one going along going on, and it's being conducted by the Bolivian judiciary. What, what Blinken means is that he wants the the independent inquiry to be run by the OAS or Human Rights Watch or some group like that, and like his concerns about human rights. It's just like Janine Inez and like these fucking like the coup mongers like fucking massacred protesters when they pulled off their coup, and like yeah. this is just this is all just so funny to me because like this is this is going on at the same time when. Uh, and, and the consensus seems to be gelling that everyone who did the Capitol riots and has been arrested for that, for doing that coup, shouldn't even be able to fucking raise money to, like, you know, fund a legal defense. Yeah. They should all just be, yeah. 
just ri- just uh, railroaded into a fucking federal prison and then like he's literally saying like he's really saying like the, blinken's attitude about janine inez and like, these the guys who the, the people and coup plotters who like did a military coup to supersede the results of a democratic election it's like basically exactly what they're accusing trump and his supporters of trying to do they're just like oh well, actually we should let them out of prison and we should just you know we have concerns about how they're being treated it's just like get the fuck out of here. It's it's their country. Like they, their judiciary can handle, um, like th- th- this criminal uh, investigation, which is what it is. So it's just like, oh, like should we uh, should the OAS be handling fucking uh the QAnon shamans case too? Because I mean, like, it, I mean, like these the, the crimes being alleged here are the exact same things, except yeah, one, one was a also, coup that actually worked. Yeah, one was a coup that worked, and they actually like killed more than one guy. Yeah, they killed quite a few people. And, and, you know, yeah. like, did it on Janina Inez's orders of, like, extrajudicial killings by the police and military. Um, well, you know, we have to. I mean, you've got to stand up for your clients a little bit. You know, even if you, you have to cut them loose and they don't they don't get the job done, you, you have to, as an example to the others who are watching, let people know that you're going to at least kind of have their back if it goes badly for them. Yeah. I just want to read a little. We got to pay Ron Guaido a billion dollars for the rest of his life (laughs) and keep him keep him in the style to which he's come accustomed. Uh, Yeah, uh, it's going on in the AP here. It says uh, Blinken said the arrest threatened to undermine democracy in Bolivia, which held national elections in October. Yeah, these are these are they're arresting the people who undermine democracy in Bolivia. Like, how can you have how can you continue to have a democracy in the country if you just like there are no legal ramifications to the people who literally did a coup and killed people? That's okay. That's fine. Yeah. Oh, was that illegal? I was sorry. I didn't know that was legal, he goes, which is literally what the fucking capital doofus has said. Yeah, he goes, he noted that the European Union, the Bolivian Conference of Catholic Bishops. Oh, well, OK, the Catholic Church has uh, weighed in here. I'd love to hear what they have to say about this. And he goes, as well as Bolivian and international human rights organizations have also expressed concerns. Protesters accuse Inez, who assumed the presidency following Morales's resignation and exile of terrorism and sedition for unrest that led to his officer. She called her detention an abuse, denying that a coup took place. So, I mean, like, yeah, like. Uh, like the difference is that like you know uh, the Trump administration like Elliot Abrams and John Bolton would have just been like be like Inez is a hero she's a political prisoner whereas Blinken and these guys are they're arguing something slightly different but to the to achieve the same result they're just saying oh like she's being unfairly persecuted in this highly political prosecution and it's like yeah goddamn right it's a political prosecution she's a politician who used her office to like commit crimes against the Bolivian people and against the democratic process in that country. Yeah. If you don't send that person to prison, why even have a country? Yeah. Why have a government? Right. And it's just like, Oh, all these, all these international human rights groups are fucking are are crying about this. It's like, they didn't cry about any of the shit that she did in, in while carrying out this coup or only any of the people killed by her government or military or like right wing groups in those countries. They don't give a shit about that. So, uh, yeah, if the OAS, Human Rights Watch, like, just shut the fuck up and let Bolivia's own government and judiciary, like, prosecute the coup plotters and the people who did it. Or just let out every one of these yahoos who stormed the Capitol or start fucking expressing concerns about their human rights and due process. Did you see the, uh, this is just like a brief thing that someone found, but uh, did you know that Tony Blinken's dad 
was like a yeah oh yeah Gary oh yeah to Robert it was his stepdad I, th- I believe it was his stepdad who was the I'm, le- not, the, I'm not the stepdad I'm the dad who stepped up <laughs> he, apparently though he was the last person to see Robert Maxwell alive before he <laughs> fell off his yacht God he was the guy who just bumped him over that railing oops <laughs> yeah. sorry sorry Bob um but like yeah uh Here's another funny story that we we didn't get a chance to cover last week. That's like you know, I think a good example of how how bold and radical this new Biden administration is. Uh, th- this this story really warms my heart because apparently all these young staffers were encouraged to come forward and be truthful about past drug use vis-a-vis marijuana, a drug that is now legal to use recreationally in the District of Columbia. And the ones who were dumb enough to tell the truth have now all been let go from the Biden administration. How fucking sick is that? Like, I mean, that I, I love the idea that every one of these like hyper ambitious little creeps um, who have all smoked weed and all think it's fine and all have no problem with it uh, could not wait to fucking get their dream job working for a man who probably has done more to incarcerate people for smoking marijuana than just about any other human being in American history outside of Harry Anslinger, like the first drug, America's first drug czar. And I think this is twofold. It's like one. Uh, these little creeps, like um, I, applaud, I, I applaud Biden for getting rid of the dopers and the hopheads. You want motivated people. You don't want people yeah, who are fucking lazy and people who aren't dumbasses Pe- who and will the tell people- the truth in a fucking government form. Because that's the thing, though, is like Jen Psaki, when 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 asked to justify this, is they're like there are security concerns about people who do drugs recreationally and also have a security clearance. Like they could be, you know, they could they could end up getting blackmailed by a, a man named White Mike over like a an eighth of weed or something like that. But I think the real security concern, and I think they're smart, is that anyone dumb enough to tell the truth about doing drugs to the federal government is probably not reliable enough to be in the president in the White House. Yeah. Someone who lied about that on a government form will just accidentally sign Delaware away to China. And then it's like, where are you going to get DuPont paint? No, I mean, this is, I have the same feeling here that I had about the, when they were like, oh, Amy Klobuchar is mean to her staffers. It's like, <laughs> good. Yeah. If you, if you work for Amy Klobuchar, you should be abused. Uh, just like, yeah, you deserve, if you're like happily going to go work for Joe Biden and you're like, oh, I need to tell him the truth about me smoking this uh, jazz grass. Uh, yeah, you deserve to be fired. But just the way it was justified, I find it was so funny because like, A, Kamala Harris has admitted like openly that she smoked weed at one point in her life, but no one's asking her to resign. It's like, it's just she's been exempted from this, but all the young people who are excited to actually do the work of this administration, they've just had their dream job and life ripped away from them. But Kamala is like, there's no, there's no question that, whoa, she's going to step aside just because she smoked weed. And she smoked weed when it was illegal. These, these, like the, the no, young no people, she didn't. Well, yeah, yeah, you're right. She's probably lying about that. That's probably what it is. <laughs> she, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was, when I was in college in like 1991, yeah, and I was, I was smoking weed and I was listening to MGK. <laughs> MGK. Yeah. Yeah. I think that as, uh, politics gets, as human beings stop entering politics, as it can, it becomes only for lizards because, you know, the people who, become politicians because like they think it could be fun and and use it to have fun go they go away because it just becomes such a joyless you know uh, machine uh they're gonna have to start making up scandals to make them appear like relatable people yeah yeah um tough luck to them sorry it happens 
It's going to be legal here soon, though. In New well, York. yeah, I mean, yeah, I, you're going to have to get it at the DMV. I want to get yeah. yeah, right. It's going to be legal with, I'm sure, just about um, like so many strings attached as to be functionally pointless. But I, you know, I'm uh, that is good news. But I, I just want one other thing I want to say about this is that um, the press secretary Jen Saki or whatever her name is, uh, when asked about this, she was like, "Look, she was like, well, in that very like very sort of that that wry." Um, restrained but very condescending tone that like uh, the libs love about her she's like well uh, marijuana is still legal illegal at the federal level and what i love about that is like oh gee if only there was someone in the federal government with the authority to change that guess guess okay guess that's just what we're stuck with joe biden if he wanted to could deschedule marijuana at the federal level tomorrow and there would be no uh no, no congress involved no legislation to draft it wouldn't even cost any fucking money you could just say, yeah, like weed's legal now as far as the federal government's concerned and problem solved. But he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to because he is an ideological drug warrior. I think like many of the people in the White House view marijuana as some kind of dangerous gateway drug. Or I, See, the thing is, for these people, I don't think it's their concern so much as that it's a gateway drug. I think it's the concern, their concern about marijuana is that it's a drug that saps people's ambition and their, and their, and their drive to work hard. And like it makes them a little bit, a little bit looser, a little bit spacier, or you know, it, you know, sort of creates a attitude of like, well, just like realizing what's worth doing and what's not worth doing. It, may, it makes you just a little bit chilled out. And I think that that's what they view as dangerous about it. Not that it's going to lead you to become a junkie or kill you or cause you to overdose or whatever. I think they accurately understand that marijuana use should it become more broadly acceptable. Um, to do among, especially among highly professional classes of people, that it will act as sort of a solvent that will dissolve the kind of like hyper ambitious, like you know, checklist personality that thrive in, and that they, that in fact, that these institutions rely on to um, continue to do their evil work in the world. And I'm not saying like marijuana is any kind of like panacea that will make bad people good or can like you know ameliorate like the evils in our society in any effect. But I think. They are right to, un- to understand it. And I think behind all of it is, is a fear about how it, the more acceptable it becomes as like to use as a recreational drug, just like al- alcohol or, or other, other ways people, you know, other, other chemicals people use to escape reality is that they think it, it's, it, I think it saps this hyper ambitious striver personality or it blunts the worst aspect of those kinds of people. Well, also, you don't want to. If you don't really have to, you don't want to give up any cudgel you can use to fucking keep people in line. I mean, if you have a society that creates uh, negative externalities in the form of people seeking some fucking uh, solace from its worst alienations, you've got to make sure some of those are illegal so that you can use them to fuck with people. You can use them to control. And uh, there's, there's, never, there's never going to be a, a turning over of that power unless there's some significant force uh, acting against it and well, right now people who want weed legal they want weed weed legal but it's not any kind of like organized political power that is able to overcome just the status inertia within the federal government well i mean if you think about the biden administration and politics in general like the attitudes of anyone in this country regardless of like race gender background income level for or anything under the age of 40, are pretty starkly divided from people over the age of 40. And we saw that in the Democratic primary. And I think, like, as people get older, like, you know, more and more of those people are going to enter positions of power and authority in American life. And I think you're right, Matt. It is very useful to have a cudgel 
over anyone under the age of 40 who has all almost universally smoked marijuana at one point in their life and regards it to be largely harmless or certainly no worse than alcohol or tobacco. And it, it, it's important to have a to have those sort of locks and dams set up to make sure that like, you know, that the type of person who has smoked marijuana and isn't ashamed of it, there'll, there'll always be that thing that they can hold over you to keep you out of your dream White House job. And like, once again, I don't mean to say that any of these fucking lizards who got into the Biden administration would have done anything good with their time or power, because um, just simply the fact that they were so excited to work for Joe Biden in the first place is rather telling. But I think that there are like, you know, like like all aspects of the drug war, it really is about social control more than any concern for people's health or like, you know, mental well-being regarding addiction or anything like that. And any, any further thoughts on 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 the the weed heads getting kicked out? Uh, I have, I hope they find God at some point. Okay, what about um? Here's another drug addict who um uh remains unpunished, and that's Hunter Biden. And <laughs> you know, Hunter obviously he's not in the administration. And I think, you know, we talked before about how, like, the we, the one moment where, like, Joe came across, like, a genuinely decent person was that, like, recorded phone call where he says, like, you know, I forgive you or, like, I still love you even though you're a drug addict. And obviously, Hunter isn't privy to, I don't think he has a security clearance or isn't privy to, like, you know, being in the White House staff. But, I mean, I think it is telling the treatment he receives versus these these harmless uh, weed heads. What was this thing recently where, like, he just chucked a gun in a dumpster or like lied about it or something. He's uh he's being a G is what he's doing. He's being a real ass dude of the week every week. He's always the real ass dude of the week. Well, that's a that's a game couples play a lot. Like if you the husband leave the toilet seat up, your wife will throw away your gun. And it's part of like they talked about this a lot in the Lockhorns, which <laughs> is a sobering documentary about marriage. Um, but it's also like you know sometimes. The sparks create uh, flames, and you know you like that. You like it when your wife busts your balls a little bit by throwing your gun away. And like in Sons of Anarchy, it's used for a school shooting, and you have to find the one niners and make the deal with the Chinese, but then cut in the IRA. And that's just life. That's marriage. That's how you raise kids. That's especially marriage when you're married to your dead brother's wife. <laughs> that's how it is. Okay, so this is the story. This is from Politico. Uh, on October 23rd, 2018, Joe Biden's son Hunter and daughter-in-law Haley were involved in a bizarre incident in which Haley took Hunter's gun and threw it in a trash can behind a grocery store, only to return later to find it gone. Delaware police investigated concerned the trash can was from a, across from a high school and the missing gun could be used in a crime. <laughs> this is like and the Sons of Anarchy it. episode. <laughs> yes. Then Secret Service agents approached the owner of the store where Hunter bought the gun and asked to take the paperwork involved with the sale. And he refused. Oh, and days later, the gun was returned by an older man who regularly rummaged through the grocery store's trash to collect recyclable items. <laughs> Why didn't he recycle so, the gun? He should turn away to the police station. You get like 200 so bucks for that. The question is, did the Secret Service go to the gun store to cover up Joe Biden's uh, uh, ownership of the gun in question, and th nobody knows. Well, there you go. Um, yeah, Joe, Hunter Biden is uh, not losing his job as first son. <laughs> yeah, he could never lose that job because Joe uh, loves yeah. him. He loves him so much. Has there been any, any updates on his uh, art career? 
I think he, he said he was going to, they were going to have a gallery show in, I think like March. I don't know how it went though. I'm sure the stuff was amazing. Yeah, probably pretty good. He's got to be into NFTs, right? Like that seems like yeah directly in his wheelhouse like the the definition of a, of a thing wheelhouse. that's a scam yeah <laughs> like yeah. A, a fake art scam that that yeah uh, that uh facilitates money laundering yeah this seems like he invented it it's gonna be sad uh when he breaks up with the girl he got the jewish tattoo for it will be when he got a matching tattoo after talking to her on skype like once <laughs> that's our guy that's our boy yeah I got to say, yeah, if you can do that at 40, like being like 45 and you do something that you would do if you had access to tattoos at like 13, that's awesome. You got a spark in you. Well, I mentioned it earlier, but um, it would appear as though New York State has finally legalized recreational marijuana. Um, the, the state legislature has come to a deal that would legalize it if you're over 21. Um, I don't know what the details are about purging any past convictions, which is really the only important thing when it comes to these bills. But my question with this is, is there any chance in the world Cuomo would have allowed this deal to come to come to a head if his back wasn't 100% against the wall? Because he fought this tooth and no. nail for for years as governor and he fought it because many of his largest donors are from pharmaceutical companies and healthcare companies mm -hmm. so i mean read through the tea, read the tea leaves there about what what they view as a threat as posed by recreational marijuana well, well higher higher uh healthcare costs for health insurance if uh people start dying from weed which can happen if you get medically grown weed like dro anything but mids <laughs> but um I guess like I mean this is, I guess this is just like a, a way into like the, the whole Cuomo situation because his back is absolutely against the wall. I mean like more and more people keep coming out and talking about how he's just like you know like twenty year old staffers and he'd be like asking them about their sex life and like he's like would you like to feel my muscle? I could make a pretty big muscle with my arm. I I, I love that. I love that when someone's like the governor and it's like oh yeah no it's it's really weird. I only hired twenty two year olds with like the perfect tits yeah <laughs> the best people to work in my office and you know just only them and obviously like the the defenders of cuomo are just like oh you know like this is not a big deal these women need to toughen up blah 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 like oh he didn't actually like sexually assault any of them but you know what like if you're the head of any organization at this point in like 2021 let alone the executive like authority of an entire state how do you not know that this isn't sexual? Like this is sexual harassment to like talk about dating your like twenty year old staffers, asking them about their boyfriends, uh, just saying I'm lonely and shit like shit like that to them. Like that's wildly inappropriate. Like that that's a violation of like every workplace like like law and code about what is and isn't sexual harassment. But the interesting thing when going on here is like the sexual harassment thing is almost a cover for the other story about like the thousands of elderly people who died in nursing homes and the immunity that was granted them on directly on behalf of one of Cuomo's largest campaign contributors. I mean, like you think that that would certainly lead to, and there's like been this steady drumbeat of like New York city, New York state politicians and some pretty high profile national figures who have called for Cuomo to resign. And I'm sorry, but don't be surprised if Cuomo is still governor next year. Like, I don't oh, think yeah. this guy is going anywhere. And I think like he has, you know, I think he has imbibed the lesson that like to a certain degree, if you just batten down the hatches and just say no, no matter how many people in the media or political allies are saying otherwise, ultimately, like they only have as much power as what you give them. And I think he is sort of demonstrating political power over 
the kind of illusory illusory power of the media. And, and like that, that's true in any state where you have one party control like that. Like, who is going to come for for Cuomo? It's impossible. Like the the average citizen who votes is a Democrat in New York, and Democrats like who their TV tells them to like, and they like Cuomo because he's the guy who who stood up to Trump and all that stuff. You 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 would ha- you are only pitching to a narrow slice of media consumers about any of these issues because that's not what most people are even paying attention to, and as long as they're voting based on party. And he's got the party, so you're you're not going to get him out unless you basically bluff him out, and he's calling the bluff. But I mean, a lot of New York politicians were were saying that he should go as well. But the thing is, like the, these elected representatives, like if it's just them saying it, they don't really have that much power either. And I, you know, someone disagreed with me when I said that like Cuomo is sort of demonstrating that the media as an institution doesn't really have any real power. To like to, to to force its will on anything, or just because they say something, you can just literally ignore them, and no one cares. And they were sort of saying, "Oh, you're saying that like, you know, Fox News doesn't have any power, or MSNBC didn't have any power over like the results of the Democratic primary." And it's just like, well, yeah, I think my point is that like they have power in so much as it reflects other sources of real power in their agenda. But if if they if it is just their opinion and it's not backed by like any any other kind of force in politics or, or group of, of like organized money and influence then if, if just it, it's just them saying something on their own then a figure like Cuomo can just simply ignore them and it, it really it really doesn't matter and like I said I won't be surprised if he doesn't resign and I think I, if anything I think he's already weathered the storm I think it's already kind of gone away yeah I mean there's a new there was a new accusation today but I mean if none of if none of them are uh, really different than what people already know he does there's really no number of people that's going to change that people's understanding of him. Then that's not, that's yeah. going to change the story. You know, Democrats like really don't care about me too. When it's their guys, like no. the Franken thing, they just keep the, talking about like, the Al Franken you, thing. Right. You no, know, the Franken thing, like the main result, like after that was that like every, all those like old Democrats who always vote just fucking hate Kristen Gillibrand. And yep. like, that is the thing. It's like, it's good that people came forward and it's like, yeah, it paints a fuller picture of what kind of guy he is. But for the people that are still supporting, which is a lot of people, it's like, they already know this is a bad guy. You know that because he killed like tens of thousands of old people and tried to cover it up. It's the same with Joe Biden. You know, whether he did commit a rape or not, it's like you are supporting Joe Biden. You kind of know Joe Biden's a bad person. Everyone knows it. Yeah, he's better than the alternative. That's what all these guys pitch themselves as. Right, and we know that because of the way that people rationalize all this. People rationalize every fucking shitty thing that Joe Biden has done in his career. They rationalize uh, the horrible things Cuomo has done. And it's like, this is just another thing for them to rationalize. Democrats don't really have any like special thing where, where they uh, particularly care about this issue more than Republicans. It seems. And, you know, if you, if you remember back to Elliot Spitzer, like he was a popular governor who had to resign because he was seeing an escort, which, you know, in, in my opinion, is like, you know, fine as compared to like. They kicked him out because it was an adult. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I understand, like, if you're the governor and he's like a prosecutor, like he is breaking the law. So, I mean, like, that's tough for him. But like just in my own personal moral ethical framework, 
seems to me like light years better than like perving on like your 20 year old staffers and like asking them about their fucking sex lives and you know if they if they like to give him back rubs and shit like that um but like the thing is the actual powerful people wanted Spitzer gone and they wanted him gone for reasons that had nothing to do with his sex life or any of his like personal conduct in office i mean like it was like wall street was opposed to him so it'd be interesting i mean it's just an interesting thought experiment if you know what would have like what would have happened if Spitzer had dug in his heels and say, no, I'm not resigning over this. It's a personal matter. Yeah, you would turn on TV one day and Lloyd Blankfein would be like, hey, guys, I'm interrupting Good Morning America to bring you a sad message. Governor Spitzer died on a boat trip that he was taking <laughs> this morning. Uh, we don't, like, uh, there's no funeral in accordance with his wishes, and he told me I could be governor before he died. Well, so like I said, I mean, maybe maybe Cuomo will be gone, but like, I mean, it's just remember, remember, what's his name? The the guy from Virginia, like the blackface thing. I Ralph mean, like, Northam. Yeah, Northam. I mean, Nor- like, yeah, Northam's the Democratic playbook. Now. Yeah, we- that's the Democratic playbook is like we kind of call this where it's like, OK, I'm just going to like kind of keep my head down and do things that I should have been doing before I got me to or like people find my blackface pictures. And then like in a year, it'll probably be fine. Well, I mean, like I don't think I think this like effectively dashes. Cuomo's hopes for presidency. presidency. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, he's still a, he's I mean, still a popular I, 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 figure I, I, I was Democrats. I mean, I'm pessimistic. I think he could maybe win the nomination, maybe. But even then, I don't really. I see Giuliani's eyes in him, where it's like the more, even with Democrats, the more people see of him when he campaigns, the less people will like him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's an, he's he's an East so Coast guy. Julie, he's most comparable to Giuliani. Trump is the only ways. one to break that mode, and that's because he's, like, an incredible queen. He's just, like, yeah. he's just he's a little princess, and, like, that's very different than the, the, the East Coast guy is a very hard mold to run for national office in. By the way, did you see the story about how Trump was just showing up at people's weddings at Mar-a-Lago and just, gra- just want, grabbing yeah. the mic and just starting, like, ranting about how Oh, Joe is doing a terrible job with China. Do you miss me yet? And it's just like people are like, oh, what a lunatic. But yes. Like, that's the best thing that could possibly happen to you if you get married at Mar-a-Lago. You're hoping that that happens. I mean, think how think how joy overjoyed that couple was to have Trump give them like a toast that doesn't mention their names or anything about <laughs> just doesn't talk <laughs> about anything other than himself for an hour. I mean, I would I wanted to get married at Mar-a-Lago after I saw that video <laughs> like. That is so God, I wish that were me. <laughs> Do you miss me now? Do you miss me yet? Joe's doing a terrible job. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like, and who's the, he doesn't even know it's a wedding. He's like, who's the birthday boy? Let me give him a big smooch. <laughs> Are we singing the song would, now? That, you blow out the candles? He's great. Like, that's a great epilogue for him. Just being like a ghost that haunts this country club, like a friendly ghost. <laughs> <laughs> who just pops up and is like, where's the Durham report? <laughs> he's like uh, he's like De Niro at the beginning and the end of Raging Bull. You know, it's like, like he's mm-hmm. that phase of his career, which is perfect for him. I mean, this is what he should have been doing yeah. all along. And it's also like all if yeah, everyone in Mar-a-Lago is probably delighted to see him all the time. Like, oh, that's my God. Sign, that's why the, the only time you can yeah. take a quarter million dollars a year to eat like fucking swedish meatballs that they took from ikea a week before that's like if a kid was to go to disneyland and they saw uh like goofy and then goofy took his hat off and it was actually goofy (laughs) that's how excited they would they are to see trump and i would like i get it like um you know i only voted for him in 2020 i didn't vote for him the first time 
but um, I, like when we were at CPAC and it was just so boring. Like we had that guy talking about the Jewish Thanos stones. <laughs> that, that was awesome. Show that Israel's ten million years old and like the Alex Azar was there and it just sucked. And then when he came on, I was so happy. He I hugged the flag. So he just he riffed about the the windmills, making it so you can't watch TV. Raisin Cane. We love him. We love Raisin. The other cool thing about Mar-a-Lago, though, is that like now that he's been kicked off Twitter and like no one in the press wants to cover him anymore, the only like evidence that he's still alive are like the Instagram accounts of these bizarre women in Florida who just (laughs) who flock to fucking Mar-a-Lago like it's lords or something. Like with just just women wearing like a leopard print capes and like sunglasses from like back to the future Two that look like Bic lighters or something like that. It's just, yeah, and they're just like wedging themselves in with this like hideous rictus grin. And, and then he's just in the background. Like you said, Felix, like some ghost, like fucking Banquo of fucking <laughs> just like around the, the back nine of fucking Mar-a-Lago. He's just, he's just wandering around in his dumpy, gigantic white polo shirts. Just, and then they're all just like, he looks better than ever. And it's just like, he, yeah, he, he looks, looks like terrible. He's he looks so fucking bad. He, yeah, he looks like cold and wet and pink. <laughs> he looks so fucking shitty. But like, no, yeah. All these women whose like skin looks flash fried are going like just traveling the world to see him. Yeah, it's Trump, all, what a great end for him. Yeah, he looks like he just got out of a Ronco food rehydrator. Yeah, he's just like everyone in Mar-a-Lago looks air fried. <laughs> all right. Well, the uh, the last thing I want to talk about today is this. Um, have you guys been following? Of course, there's this this Union Drive um, in an Amazon fulfillment center in uh, Bessemer, Alabama. And like mm. this story is getting a lot of press, and um, uh, Bernie Sanders, to his credit, has been pushing it um, uh, very admirably into the public sphere. Um, but like uh, the weird thing that's going on though is that, like you know like these these workers are getting a lot of press for the you know what we've been hearing about for a long time the fucking just unspeakable working conditions that they have to that they have to endure of like you know their every single blink and breath is monitored by some sort of fucking algorithm just like every single step that they make is like graded by some like you know data metric about productivity they're not allowed to go to the bathroom i mean there was one story in another fulfillment center of like a guy dying and people were like stepping over him so they didn't want to like get docked for like taking taking a second to like notice that their colleague has ceased to be alive but it's weird though because like i'm sort of surprised at how over the top amazon's reaction to this has been because i would just assume that like they they have more money than like most nation states. I mean, like they are the size of like most the economies of like half of the countries in the world combined, like, and presumably have pretty much most of the U S government in their pocket. But, you know, Bernie Sanders is out there and they're like, have you noticed the thing where like they're, they're the CEO of Amazon, this guy, Dave Clark took it upon himself to like at Bernie Sanders and like talk shit about him, which, which says to me something like that they are kind of concerned about this, or it just, it seems like, they wouldn't be doing that if they weren't shook in some way. Like this obscene and quite bad PR push that they're attempting to mount now. It, it, it would seem to me that they are concerned about this issue becoming like sort of entering the public consciousness or just that the, the, the idea that, that they don't want people to associate the Amazon brand with like Dickensian workhouse conditions. 
But they also don't want to recognize a union, so they just have to tell people, "Yeah, they can pee. They can pee whatever they want." What are you talking about? It was the, it was that one. It was that one. It was a. This was not like one of those bot accounts, which are like really terrifying. Like all all those like you know joined last month, two followers, and they all have like the little box logo and the display name, and they're all like Amazon Gen. I love working here. Amazon is a great workplace that has given me plenty of room to grow. I don't know if it's scarier that these are bots or that they're real people. But I'm talking about like the actual like higher ups in the company. Did you see that thing where they were like, you don't really believe the peeing in bottles story, do you? I mean, that's a huge tell. Of course, I fucking believe it because you're saying that line. And they're like, you don't really believe that, do you? It's just like that. You could not look more guilty. Like they, they know that that pissing in a bottle shit is 1000 percent true. Well, not only yeah. that, internal documents say that there's uh, that drivers and shit are are have to. Uh, clear the van of any bottles, and they'll get uh, fa- they'll get uh, p- penalized if any urine is found. Meaning they know these people are peeing in the bottles, but as others have pointed out, yeah, but they tell them that they'll be penalized if they do. So they're taking it seriously. I just have a, I just have a couple of these these tweets from these Amazon accounts. This is a uh, they're all these like you know just sort of like happy young looking like happy young white women. Which is weird because at the Bessemer plant, I think the staff is like 80% African-American and mostly, mostly women. But these are like the, the, the Avies are all these like attractive young white women. And they're saying things like, I'm glad the base pay was raised to $15 in 2018. Now I make a base of $16.25 for being here three plus years. Doing the same physical repetitive work every day can be a lot. But my managers have always tried to switch up my role whenever I mention that I need a change. And then someone else, this is Jaden, Amazon FC Jaden, another like seemingly young white woman in her 20s. Hello, Twitter. I'm Jaden. I work at Amazon in Washington, and I joined this team where I can answer your questions about what it's like to work at Amazon. I'm here to be real and spill the tea. Hit me with your questions, friends. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, spill that tea. Sis, we need the tea. Amazon. If you spill that tea, you will be fired, by the way. (laughs) Amazon FC Yola. She uh, goes, um, uh, responding to someone who says, wow, that's incredible. Alexa can do anything except provide bathroom breaks and safe working conditions. Yola, Amazon for FC says, she can't, unfortunately, laughing emoji. But luckily for me, my building is super safe and has an amazing safety team as well as vending machines that provide safety equipment. There is also bathrooms located on every floor as well as a bathroom inside each of the four break rooms. You notice she doesn't say anything about whether you're able to use any of these bathrooms in the building. We have plenty of bathrooms. Just um, don't avail yourself of the, or else the, uh, the Am- Skynet uh, FC will uh, come down on you. I think they're just going to mandate, to fix this whole fucking issue, they're just going to mandate catheters for everybody. That solves the problem. This is Amazon FC Gary. He says, uh, hi, real human here. I've been with Amazon almost six years now, and as a tier one associate, I can safely say that here at Oak 4, I've never felt like it's been bad for me. If anything, Amazon has offered me tons of opportunities to grow. And, like, this is just the flavor of, like, what I said is, like, this very half-assed PR attempt. And it's like, maybe it's so half-assed because they know how powerful they are. But, I mean, like I said, it, it speaks to something that they are very concerned about this union drive. And, like, I think actually the best summer plant the the bessemer facility is voting on on union drive right now so best of luck to them but it just seems to me that like i i think they realize that if if this gains momentum even if they can weather this one thing or like you know shove it under the in conjunction with like a popular politician like bernie 
taking this up as a cause and making it very personal about Jeff Bezos's like insane wealth. Like in the minds of people, it's just like, why are you trying so hard to fight like better working conditions or like higher wages or some sort of collective bargaining power when you have more money than God? Like, like, you know, what difference does it make to you, to you personally or Amazon's bottom line? And I think the answer is everything because like, I think their whole model is just about nothing is enough. There is no such thing as like we, we are we are as efficient and productive as we need to be. We're worth ten trillion dollars. It's like it's never enough. And I think like any any attempt by the public sphere or to like wrest back some kind of control or to impose conditions on them on behalf of their workers or the public conscience at large is very dangerous to them. And they are very afraid of it. I mean, put put your hand to the brain bug right now. It's afraid. It's afraid right now. And the brain. Hey, um, uh, Bug FC here. I've been a I've been a tier one associate of the brain bug for several years now. And I got to say, after they took out my brain, I'm much happier. <laughs> I love I love working on the bug planet. It's great. Like, yeah, like, and then also like um, they've been they've been, of course, subjecting their employees to, like nonstop mandatory anti-union propaganda as well. And I just love all the rules about like how you can and can't talk about forming a union with your employees, like putting up a sign or anything like that. If you're anti-union, you can do whatever you want and say whatever you want to your employees and like just subject them to like nonstop surveillance and propaganda on behalf of this idea that like, hey, we're all a family here at Amazon. And I just think they they don't want they don't like among young people especially, I don't think they want the Amazon name associated with this kind of wanton cruelty. Like I said, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm very pessimistic. My, my general attitude is that they can get away with whatever they want to do because, like, they basically are a state right now. But for the time being, I mean, they still are smaller than the United States government. So I, I do credit Bernie a lot with um, being as vocal as he, as he has been about supporting this union drive. I think my favorite uh, text or my favorite tweet from Totally Real Person was from Lulu. I'm beginning to worry that there's a problem with UTIs across the country, given how frequently many of you need a bathroom break. You really should see a doctor about that. Literally. <laughs> people that they're peeing too much. Wait, no, but, but wait, that, that's a good point, though. Because she's saying, like, oh, like, you really need to go to the bathroom so many times. Even if you don't, it's your right to take a fucking bathroom break. Even if you just go in there and look at your phone or jack off or fucking just splash water on your face. Just get, just remove yourself. You need a breather. Like it, it is your goddamn right to go to the bathroom for whatever reason. You know, like you, it's not your employer's concern. It's just this whole thing where it's just like, and you know what? Like I've, I've read accounts of like what it's like for the management at Amazon. I'm talking about people like high up in the corporation. And obviously I feel no pity for these people whatsoever. But the corporate culture there is also insane. And like there's shit about how like the the standard is that if you receive an email at any time of day, weekend, vacation, nighttime, it is basically you have five minutes to respond to it. And if you don't, like then then that is a problem. And you were docked and you were like your the algorithm begins to sort of tighten around your neck. And like I said, like I just think for companies like this, and Amazon is a perfect example of like this 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 kind of capitalism, or just capitalism in general, rather, there is no limit. There is no enough. There is no we've made enough money. We are as productive as we need to be. We are as efficient as we need to be. There is no limit. And 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 the, and what the human body and mind can bear, it, it, like it, it bear, has no bearing whatsoever 
on this like this relentless this nameless faceless drive towards more yeah you can't you can't stand to it and if you you will be ex your life force will be extruded like a fucking toothpaste out of a toothpaste tube to get the the last uh the last gasp of this thing that's that's clearly at, in a in a crisis moment that can't be resolved through anything other than uh hyper exploitation well um best of luck to those employees in bessemer i'd be interested to see how this union drive goes and just um hopefully if it's success- successful it will um augur some similar you know we'll, we'll maybe get some momentum going behind this thing and you know and make make you know, workplace conditions and the, the the power of collective bargaining hopefully become like a salient political issue again. I won't hold my breath with, uh, I mean, I don't know, maybe this PRO Act will get passed. Who knows? I mean, <laughs> some good things could happen. But like I said, maintain, oh, I mean, we don't need to maintain too much of a pessimism, but, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. Let's put it that way. From, from, from the new FDR administration. Yeah, in that there's mm. uh, concentration camps. That's the, <laughs> <laughs> the similarity. I actually do think that that uh, Biden is like better in a sense, like he's he's bolder. He's 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 doing more than Obama did. But that's because things are that much worse. There's the the bare minimum is is more than it used to be because we already had a 2008 collapse. And then we had the non-existent recovery from that that pushed people out of their homes and and, uh, gigified labor and made everything more precarious. And now we've got everything that's happening now, like the pandemic, is happening on top of that. So the bare minimum becomes more extensive and more robust than it was in 2008. But that just speaks to how uh, how much more bailing wire and fucking tape is holding things together. Yeah. Also, I mean, they don't they know the exact formula, they think, yeah. to not lose the presidency again, to keep this whole thing going. So. I don't know. I mean, we'll see how long it lasts. Yeah. Did you see this thing where, like, one of the biggest um, groups that are organizing against the PRO Act are freelancers? Hmm. Yeah. What a fucking op that is. I I saw an idea for a a million freelancer march, (laughs) and it's like, that would be awesome. That would make, like, just 90% approval ratings for the PRO Act, then, if they do the freelancer march. No, actually, we should start organizing this. We really should. I mean, that's yeah. actually a brilliant idea if we want this pro act pass. Yeah. We need to get every annoying media freelancer to march on Washington or just at least be more open to like talk about why they feel personally disadvantaged by, by the pro act. Sorry, there's just a one last uh, exchange here from the, uh, the Amazon accounts. This is uh, uh, Amazon FC Darla says, so glad to be on Twitter. Feel free to ask me anything about my experiences as a member of the Amazon family. I'm an open book. Uh, quote tweeted by Amazon FC Lula. Me too. It's so lucky to have the God-given American freedom to actually talk openly about our awesome jobs. And then she says here, uh, what bothers me most about unions is there's no ability to opt out of dues. As a single mother with two boys, I'm barely scraping by as it is. And now unions want to come <laughs> to Amazon and make, pay, make them pay a piece of my salary? No thanks. To which Amazon FC Lula says, yeah, Unions should actually follow through on their commitment to workers by offering dues schedules rated against your actual earned income or something, forcing innocent, innocent Amazonians to pay hundreds of thousands to make up for the company's lack of safety measures is dumb. <laughs> it's just like, like it's just the incredibly shoddy 
like like really shitty low effort of this is just I don't know I don't know whether I should be terrified by how fucking craven and 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 lazy it all is or encouraged by like that this is the best that they can come up with. But yeah, like, I mean, but it's like, a I'm question of whether like, it's... My question is like, or is it, is this because they know they don't need to fucking come right? Up with exactly. Yeah. Like the you know, bare, justifiable. You just you're just you're doing bare minimum to keep your job because you just are supposed to have a public face to to keep up the kayfabe that there is a public deliberative element to any of this. So all you could you could just hire out the Hasbara room in uh, Tel Aviv where they like a bunch of guys who uh, are now like splitting half time between talking about uh, how everybody in uh, Gaza just doesn't want a vaccine uh, and then talking about how great Amazon is. I should also note that uh, fucking Obama's former press secretary, Jay Carney, is the head of PR for Amazon. And the way that the tack that they've taken with Bernie on this is that they're like, oh, Bernie talks a lot about $15 an hour minimum wage, but uh, has he ever passed a $15 minimum wage act? Uh, no, I don't think so. So they're just saying like, you know, Bernie's been a politician. He's had all this time to make sure, you know, to, he says he wants better wages for workers and uh, stronger unions, but what has he actually done? Here at Amazon, we're delivering, and it's just like, yeah, like he hasn't been able to get it done because like you've stitched up every piece of legislation and politician in Washington at your behest. So it's just like, you know, it's it's the it's a it's a reiteration of the whole line of like, oh, what 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 bills has Bernie actually passed? He's been in Washington forever. He hasn't got it done. It's just like, well, yeah, I mean, it's pretty fucking hard when you're the only guy fucking standing up for what's right. And you have to stop. You have to fight against guys like this. Yeah. When when like yeah, Jay Carney, the former White House press secretary, is now the head of communications for like the world's most the world's most powerful company. I mean, yeah, like it's just yeah, I mean, I, it's 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 pretty bad. I I hope these people choke to death on shit though. I really do. That would be cool. Uh, okay, is that about it for today? That'll do it. Yeah, I believe that'll that. do, pig. That'll do. Okay, till next time, guys. Bye bye. Bye bye. A E I O A E I O and sometimes W. We ain't gonna sell none of these motherfucking albums, cuz. Let's go right. back to Marshall Durbin and hang some more chickens, cuz. Fuck it. Fuck the corporate world, Biatch!